Good morning. I believe the weight rating on my ears with all of this stuff on, my glasses and the mic and the mask is over a little by, by probably three or four ounces. Um, I had a situation this week where I um, was helping a student. We were placing a front CV axle on his truck, his beloved truck, a teenager and his truck. And uh, I was underneath, and we were looking at it, and we got our masks on, and I was looking up. Now, I'm old. I can't hear very well. I'm wearing progressive lenses. So I'm underneath there trying to shine a light in the exact right spot. And sometimes, sometimes you can only shine it and look in the same spot. And so you're playing a little dance between the, the flashlight and your eyes. And I had to tip my head back like this. And I think I got it all lined up. And then I happened to breathe. You know that thing that we do to sustain life? And all of a sudden, whew, a hot air blows past my glasses and I can't see anything. And um, I don't know if you ever have one of those rage moments. Yeah, there is going to be a bonfire, hopefully on June, July 11th, and it's going to be a big one. I'm going to put gas on those things, and it's going to go poof, and it's good. So, um, yeah, just share some of my frustrations with you. We'll do it. We'll get there. The Word of God this morning is coming from First Peter. 5, 1 to 5. So if you want to turn there, you can do that now. I am using the CSB or the Christian Standard Bible translation. I like that translation. It's a readable ESV. So if you're into that, you can check that out if you want. When Ryan was asking me to spend some time up here doing this, he initially gave me the passage that Dave preached last week. And uh, I was fired up about that. It's a good passage. One of those ones you can just, you can just ride that all the way. And, um, and then he, that changed, the situation changed, and then that wasn't me, that was Dave. And I want to thank Dave so much for, for his words last week. Suffering is an opportunity for us to share the gospel. That was awesome. And so thank you, Dave, for that. I started looking at it, um, this passage, after Darren texted me, and I, I, my heart kind of dropped, quite honestly. I thought, that Darren, he's a sneaky guy. I bet, I bet Darren, yeah. <laughs> I bet he's, like, we've had a few visits lately, and he probably knows my heart, and he probably knows I need to do this. I'm not going to rule that out. But either way, this is the Bible, and the Bible is God's word, and all of what God has to say is important for us to hear. So here we go. Thankfully, it's not my job to convict anyone. Rather, it's my job here to speak God's word boldly and let the Holy Spirit dig into our hearts. So I started to read, asking God for guidance. And do you know what I found? I found that when I submit to the words of God, fears drop away, and hope arises out of the ashes. It's a good thing. Let's pray, and then I'll get started. Dear God, I'm so thankful for today. I thank you so much that you have placed us here in this church. Thank you that we can come here 
as a body of believers. Thank you that we are wherever we are, sitting on our couch or wherever we are watching this. You are a great and awesome God, and your hand is in control of all things. I thank you that you have given us your word, and I pray that this morning the words that come out of my mouth will be your words and not mine. So I'm going to read this passage. 1 Peter 5, 1-5. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording over those who entrust, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Today we're going to start at the end and go backwards, just for fun. So let's start at the end. Verse 5 says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility is a hard word to define. It's one of those words where... um, It can be demonstrated in so many ways, in so many different ways, but we try to put it down to a definition. It's be like, well, it it could be this. Uh, Well, it looks like this. We always go into the fact that it looks like something, and it looks like this and that. Um, So I started to ask some people, what is humility? I went for a walk with Danae. We had to go walk to her work to get her work schedule, and so let's go for a walk. It's been a sunny, warm week. And so along the way, we talked about humility. What does humility mean? What does it look like? And then I visited with Mona over coffee in the morning. We're on a drive out to the landing to do some more paddling. And um, we talked a little bit about it. And then I went and visited with, uh, I get together with uh, four or five young guys um, every couple weeks. And I said, hey, what does this look like? What does humility look like? And so as I went along and got some answers, my question kind of changed, and it finally centered on this one. Think of a person that you know that is clothed with humility to others, and describe what qualities make them that way. If I asked you right now, think of a person who is humble, you probably have one person pops into your head right away. Hmm. Let's think about that. What about that person? So, I got some answers from these guys. Um, I got a story from Brett about his grandpa. He said, his grandpa, when you're there with him, he asks you so many questions. It's like you come away from there thinking you are the center of the universe. You are that, you are the most important one right there. And he is old, and he has got lots of trucking stories to tell, and he would love to tell you those stories because he's been doing that a long time. But he doesn't. You know what he does? He talks to you about you and asks another question. Okay. And then we have Patrick, talks about his pastor, 
former pastor in Meadow Lake when he lived there, Conrad about his professor at Miller, I started to see a trend. I started to see that humility is relational. You can't do humility alone. You can't. If I'm going to be humble, somebody else is involved. Somebody has to be there. There's always a relationship and there's always seems to be this ranking or position involved where I am putting myself above or below or something like that. I couldn't find the perfect word for that. I don't think it exists, but hopefully you know what I mean. I also saw that it was different. Humility was different when it was between a person and another person and when it was between a person and God. Those were different things. Let's talk about humility in our relationship with God first, because if we don't get that right, well, we'll get to that. In my conversations, Jana happened to be there one evening, and um, we were visiting about it, and I said, so what about our relationship and our position or rank when it comes to God? And Jana said, it's hard to explain because, you know, God is God, and we are not God. I've been up here a few times in the past five years. You've probably heard me say that before. Thankfully, for you parents, apparently, some of the stuff it sinks in, okay? God is God, and I am not. He sees all things. He knows all things. He can do all things. He's outside of time and holds it all together. We're not even in the same picture, okay? He's the artist. We're, we're not even framed. We're just a part of that picture. We can't compare ourselves and say, well, I'm going to be less than, no, well, yes, less or more than God. It really has more to do with God is God and I am not. He's the creator. I'm just someone he made. I believe humility comes from our understanding that God is holy and we're not. Now that should establish a little bit of fear in your heart. Now fear is not, not a big thing that we want to preach about all the time. You should be scared of God. Well, if you knew and believed truly within your heart that God created the universe, he was capable of that. He is also right now capable of holding all of that together. If you believed that, and I do, that makes me a little bit afraid, a little bit nervous. And yet, there's another part of humility in a relationship with God that we can't forget. Jesus Christ came to earth to save me. To save Chad and Mona. He came to save me. He left all that is good. He has the perfect relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like they needed to come save us to fulfill themselves. No. He left all that is good. And what did he enter? He entered limitation. Imagine having no limitations and then all of a sudden being limited. I mean, oh my goodness, masks. Okay? Like, 
we couldn't, didn't have to wear them, and now we have to, and almost everybody is dying, okay? No, all right? He had no limitations. And then he has to have, had to live in limitation. He had to live in pain and sorrow. He was limited to five senses. I don't know how many senses God has, but it's more than five. He was limited. He experienced weariness, rejection, mocking, humiliation, and ultimately, death. God doesn't experience death. He has been and always will be. And yet Jesus came and did that. If you believe this, that he came and did that, and he did that for you, you end up in a place of unlimited gratefulness, which ends in what? Humility. With an understanding that we don't get what we deserve. And we most certainly get what we don't deserve. So we've got God is God, and we are not. And Jesus came to save us. And the Holy Spirit, hmm, the Holy Spirit was given as a gift. Jesus says, I have to go. No, don't go, his disciples said. I have to go, but I'm going to send you someone who's going to help you. This one, we don't understand as well. And we don't understand this one as well because we don't use it like we should. And we doubt that it's true. We always just think we can do it ourselves. We're going to come back to that one. As I was thinking about my relationship with God and how that humility comes from what I understand about who he is and what he's done for me, and I started thinking about humility amongst ourselves, um, I started to um, see how they were connected. Humility in our relationship with God is critical to our understanding to how we relate to each other in humility. If we are not driven to humility from our understanding of God, then we cannot truly clothe ourselves with humility to one another. So let's go back to our passage, and we're going to look at that. Before we start, I want to point out a few words in verse 5, seven words to be exact. Verse 5 says, in the same way. That's four of them. He talks about the elders and the leaders of the church, and he talks about the other people. He talks about the elders first, and when he gets done that, in the same way. So, am I to assume that all of this is for everyone? Yep. And then it says, all of you clothe yourself, all of you. So the message that I have for you today is not just elders do this, leaders do this. You people who are being led, this is your job. It all comes down to humility. And all of these things, these characteristics of humility applies to all of us. So when I'm speaking and you're thinking, that other person, you're wrong. It's you. All of this. All right. Jesus plays two roles in humility. One we have seen and talked about. One is as the Savior, and one is as the perfect of example. 
He is our perfect example of humility. He is the reason why we're humble, and he's also the perfect example of what that humility looks like in relation to other people. One role as savior, one as the perfect disciple that we should emulate. In this passage, there's three things that he calls us to do in these not but statements. He says to the people, to the elders, verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly. Not out of compulsion, but willingly. Let's talk about Jesus. If Jesus was the perfect disciple, if he was the perfect example of how we should live our lives, then we should look at him and say, did he do it willingly? Yeah, he did it willingly. Was it hard for Jesus? I can imagine when he looked at people, and he would think, you have got to be kidding me. You're doing this again? Jesus had to step down into this mess that we made and we've created and frustration. But he did it willingly. Hmm. The next one. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. I got to tell you, willingly and eagerly. This is my life. Okay, I go through life, I am a selfish human being. Maybe I'm the only one here in this room, but let me tell you how it works with me. I get up in the morning and I go through my life thinking about who? Myself, I gotta get up. And part of that is necessary. If I got up and just walked straight to school, the kids would wonder, why aren't you wearing any clothes? So I sort of have to pay attention to myself a little bit, right? But willingly and eagerly are not something that I can just switch on and switch off. They're an attitude. If I need to willingly and eagerly do my job, and there have been times where I don't want to do my job. I have had classes where I'm like, God, I know this situation is coming up. These students, they're a little out of control. I need to, this is going to be a tough one. I don't feel like this. But I know the students in humanity is very observant, and they watch me, and they know exactly whether I'm into it or not. And God, I want, it, I want to do this, but I, I don't know if I can do it. The eagerness and the willingness, I don't, I don't know, God, if I could do this. And so I pray in between classes. we got four minutes. I pray, God, I'm going to need some help here. 62 minutes later, that's how long class is. I get to the end, and I all of a sudden realize, that was a lot of fun. I had a good time. Things worked well. There was some conflict. We worked through it. We figured it out. It happened. God can change you to be willing and eager. Now, some of you may say, well, these humble people I was thinking about before, they just do that automatically. They're already willing and eager. I'm just going to tell you that that's, they have practiced using the Holy Spirit so much it just comes naturally to them. It's part of who they are. And the last one. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
willingly, eagerly, and examplingly. That's not a word, but it's good to rhyme sometimes. As an example, Jesus was the perfect example. Just before the communion that we celebrated, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, give me that bucket of water. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to wash your feet. Keep in mind, let's not forget, the God of the universe, that one out there that created us that we should fear, but Jesus is there now. He says, I want to wash your feet. Peter says, no, I want to wash yours. Jesus says, hmm, if I don't wash your feet, this isn't going to work. And I bet Jesus was thinking in his mind, Peter, you have no idea. Within the next 24 hours, you are going to reject me three times, even though you say you would never do it. And then I'm going to go die on the cross for you. I'm going to just go through a brutal death. I'm going to be mocked. That's Jesus exampling very intentionally. Very, very intentionally. One of the questions that I asked the guys at our Bible study, I said, so, um, can you give me some examples of where Jesus resists the proud and gives grace to the humble? And we had a bunch pop up. And I think it was Brett again, brought this one up. I'm glad he's there. Um, and it was... Matthew 7, 36. I'm just going to turn to Matthew 7, 36. I thought I was. Now it's not here all of a sudden. Anyways, I'm not going to read that. I'll just tell you about it. Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. And a prostitute comes and starts with some per perfume and is crying and weeping and washing his feet. And the Pharisees say, do you have any idea who that is? Do you have any idea who that is doing that to your feet? And Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, of course, you know, this is a paraphrase. I don't have it in front of me. He says to the Pharisees, you're the ones who are lost. He rejected the proud and gave grace to the humble. It's like, perfect. This is, this is this verse, this proverb. From thousands of years before, this is that verse. It is so significant to me. And so we have Jesus being the perfect example through all of these examples. He was willing. He was eager. And he was a perfect example. So who cares? What difference does it make today? I mean, you and me right now. When you go to work, when you are interacting with people in the church, whatever it looks like, what difference does that make? You say... I know all of these things. I've heard them my whole life. But wait. Did you know what they did to me? I can't possibly forgive them. 
you know what? You're right. You can't. But wait, do you know what they did to my friend? And they haven't even said sorry. They don't deserve my servant heart. You're right. They don't. Did you see how she ignored me at the last potluck? Oh, I don't even know what to say. I get it. I wouldn't either. But they're wrong, and I'm right. That could be. Maybe half and half. Therein lies the last way that we humbly come to God. God commands us to love one another. And if we simply and humbly submit to that command, he will give you what you need to do it. Let's say we have a group of people who believe in God and they understand that God is God and they are not God. And they understand out of the kindness of his being, he sent Jesus down to earth to slog away through all the garbage that humanity has created on this earth. And he loved them deeply and passionately. passionately. And in fact, he loved them to death. And they have let this settle into their minds and into their hearts and come to a place of understanding that they are cherished by the God of the universe. And they look around at others and realize that we are all in the same boat. In the eyes of God, there's no difference between you and me. Between the offended and the offender. Between the hurt and those who hurt them. There is no difference. And they look at each other and say, but what of all these things that divide us? And then they look up to God and say, I can't do this on my own. I can't. Please help me. Then they look back at each other and say, how can I serve you today? In the end, it's a perfect dance of selflessness, of humility, and grace. Of racing to see who can serve who first. It should be a race to the bottom. It should be how quickly can I get down on my knees and wash their feet. I have told this story before from up here. Might have been a while ago. You probably forgot about it. About, I don't know, 10 or 15 years into our marriage probably in the middle of kids because they're the things that cause the most strife in a home. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> and I love them, and yet. And they, um, Mona and I, I, I don't know what we had a problem with each other, but we had a problem, and we were arguing. And um, it got to the point where we were in bed going to sleep, and I was laying there, and she was laying there, and um, if you've ever been in a relationship ever where there was issues, where you had to deal with things, you know what it's like. You know that you can actually feel, like, tension when they're, like, of nothing, okay? You can feel it in the room, and it's there. 
And today I could feel it on that day because I was lying there, turned away to my side, and Mona was turned away to her side, and I could feel the bed shaking. Okay, shake, 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 shake. I knew exactly what was happening. Somebody was crying, and it wasn't me. And I was thinking to myself, but I'm right. Okay, maybe I'm not 100% right. Maybe I'm 95% right. Okay, so maybe I'm 5% wrong. But I was absolutely certain I was right. This is what we should do. This is, was the best way to deal with whatever we de we're dealing with. I'm right. She's wrong. Oh, well, how did that make me feel? We were still lying there, still shaking. God, this isn't right. I love this woman, but I'm right. Like 95% right. Surely, surely she should roll over and say I'm sorry. I'm going to wait that out. Have you ever done that? You don't. You can never wait long enough. It just won't happen. We've got two stubborn people lying there. So I waited for a while. The shaking stopped. Then started again. And then I rolled over. And I put my hand on her back. I said, God, you've got to help me here. I don't know what to do. I put my hand on her back. And she rolled over. And I said, I'm sorry. Guess what she said? You ought to be. No. <laughs> she didn't say that. She said, I'm sorry too. And so we said sorry to one another. It turns out I was 95% right. But that has nothing to do with it. It's a race to the bottom. A race to wash the feet. We need to race to serve. That is what God has called us to do. We go through life. I go through my day. I go to school. I go deal with students all the time. I could teach the perfect class. I could have everything so organized, it's like my whole class just flows real smoothly. I could do it perfectly. All the students could know exactly what I want them to know at the end, and they can do the things that they need to do. But if I haven't shown love in the middle of all of that, I'm doing a bad job. It's not good. If Dave, working over there on the videos, does a perfect job, and it comes out on Facebook, there's no glitches, all the sound works, and it's perfect. And yet Dave did not show love to the people around him as he worked. He's doing a bad job. God has called us to love. All that other stuff, that's just the vehicle for you to show love to other people. That's the point. The point is not to do everything 
the way you think it should happen. The point is to love. That's the point. She'll be a race to the bottom. That's where we need to go. How quickly can I go say, I'm sorry? How quickly can I say, I don't know what happened here, but here we are. We're shaking in the bed, and we don't even know why. Is it easy? <laughs> uh, no. It's simple, but it's not easy. I'm going to pray. Darren, you can come up later, too, if you want, but I'm going to pray now, too, okay? Dear God, I'm so thankful for today. You have given us each other. And you have placed us in this position. And unfortunately, Lord, we haven't seen each other a whole lot. We haven't seen each other enough to be in good, solid, proper relationship. I pray for the day when we can see each other again. I thank you so much, Lord, that you gave us a perfect example that we can look to Jesus. I thank you so much that you can do all things and that you are the God of the universe. And I thank you so much that you gave us the tool, that you gave us the Holy Spirit, so all we have to do is submit and say, God, help me. I'm going to go do this. Help me, God. Lord, help us to submit to you every day in everything that we do. God, how can I show love to others? How can I do this? How can I show other people and be a perfect reflection of you? I thank you so much that you are the God of the universe and that you have followers here, followers of Jesus Christ who want to follow you. And so I pray that you would dig into their hearts and whoever needs to talk to whoever else, I don't care where you are on the tree, I don't care. Help us to race to the bottom. In your name I pray, amen. Would you rise for the benediction? If you're able. If you have to sit, that's okay. The benediction is just as good. I feel like the coach before the third period. I love watching hockey. The, the team is down by a couple goals, and you've got to get them ready to go. So you tell them an example from years past. You tell them about another team that came back from a deficit scored in the third period and won, you tell them the story so they know it's possible and you get them excited. Then you get them all to stand up and you hear the crowd making noise and you're ready. You're ready to send them out. I realize that's not exactly what we're doing. But I can't help but read those stories, sing these songs, participate in communion the way that we just did and not come up here and tell you it's time to go. You've come to the table. You held the communion cup. You received the foot washing. You've received this grace. And now that your feet are clean, it's time to go.
If we don't go play the third period, the game isn't over. We have to go do it. And the rule in our house is you're not allowed to write on the wall. But here in church, we broke that rule. And we wrote on the wall. But do you read it? As I was sitting there reading it this morning, like we're supposed to go and do it. Grow in his grace, grow in his knowledge, go and do it. We've been saved, our feet are clean, the world doesn't know. We have this hope in life that they don't know. So as we race to be the humble, as we race to the bottom, to serve one another with love that is agape love, this is my prayer for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would equip this church to live on mission, that as they grow in understanding your grace and your knowledge, Jesus, that they would become more like you, that as they leave this place, the city would be filled with just beacons of light and hope, servants, people that forgive one another, people that extend this love that is beyond what we understand to one another. Lord Jesus, move in our hearts to refine us, Lord, and cleanse us from our unrighteousness and make us more like the likeness of your son and more like you, this perfect reflection. But Lord, would we not just sit at the table and appreciate what you've done for us? Would we stand up from the table and go? And would we come back next week, Lord, more filled with your spirit, but also filled with stories and testimony of what you've done in this world through us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you do that this week? Would you equip us, Lord, to be ambassadors of you? Lord Jesus, bless your church as they go from this place. And would they show this world humility and love and hope that they've never experienced? That is my prayer, Holy Spirit. Jesus, be glorified in us. And dismiss this church with your great blessing. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.